is Alicia Christian, and welcome to the Eating Me Podcast. Hey, y'all, it's Alicia, and welcome back to the Eating Me Podcast. Y'all, this week I had such an awesome conversation with Lavina Quilliam, and, you know, her story as it relates to her childhood traumas that caused her to be mute for um, a, a decent portion of her childhood shaped who she is today. And now she is working with individuals to help them find their own voice and speak their truth in their everyday lives. And like I said, the conversation was so powerful and so beautiful, and I can't wait for you to hear it. But before we dive into that conversation, let me share a little bit about Lavina uh, and as she uh, shares it through her actual voice. So she says, we all start somewhere. Here's my story. When I was a child, I lost my voice, literally. I didn't speak a word from age four all the way until I was 25 because I was painfully afraid that using my voice would hurt someone. I thought I didn't have a right to speak. Speaking was reserved for authority figures and people who had something important to say and that just didn't feel like me. The more trauma I experienced, the more I believed this lie. As I grew up, I learned that the world was out to get me. One heartbreaking experience piled on top of another, and I soon didn't even recognize my own life. To cope, I began reacting, denying, and numbing, masking my hurt with smiles or food, and becoming anxious and depressed in the process. I decided that maybe if I became a teacher, I could add more love to a, a world that desperately needed it. But when I got to uni, basically university, my peers began making fun of me for not speaking. How are you going to be a teacher if you can't talk? They would jab at me. While their words did hurt, I did see their point. How could I, how could I help anyone if I didn't have a voice? In that moment, I decided that while life was tough, I was tougher. I began to speak up again, slowly at first, but the more I practiced, the stronger my voice got. Eventually, I became a teacher and an accountant and the owner of a dress shop. Because I hadn't truly discovered who I was yet or what I desired, I searched for an identity everywhere from my career to my family. But because meaning can never be found outside of yourself, it was only a matter of time before everything started to fall apart. First, it was my health. I got sick. No matter what I did, I couldn't seem to get better. That's when I realized my body wasn't the source of my worth. Then we experienced a supply error with the wedding dress business and I lost everything. That's when I realized work wasn't my source of my worth. Then I lend multiple thousands of dollars to my mom. That's when I realized family wasn't the source of my worth. It felt like my whole life was imploding around me. But what looked like disaster was actually a miracle in disguise. I used this opportunity to create a new version for myself. Who did I want to be, really? What did I want my life to look like, really? How did I want to feel, really? I started to ask myself questions I had never asked myself before, and the answers surprised and delighted me. I wanted to become a Reiki master. I wanted to study healing work as, as my career. I wanted to let my voice become one of my strongest assets. And I wanted to feel powerful, driven, vibrant, energetic, and passionate for the first time ever. In short, I wanted to live the most pleasurable life imaginable. And I needed a coach who could help me arrange it. I went digging and stumbled upon a super smart Aussie life coach I knew I could I knew could help me who cost $20,000 for 6 weeks. At that time, this sum of money felt like a huge investment to me. While I did have it, I wasn't confident that I wanted to spend it on a life coach. But I was in so much pain at the time. I ultimately decided that my life was worth more than a measly $20,000. So I bit the bullet and I hired the woman that would change everything for me. 
Still to this day, I cite it as the best decision I've ever made. She helped me open up and connect to myself. She showed me how to discover my own desires and to build trust with life again. Soon, I was dropping all my defense defenses, lowering my barriers, and letting people back in. I felt calmer than ever before and more faithful that everything was unfolding exactly as it should be. Soon, I felt like a brand new woman. I ca- and I've carried forth that journey of healing after six weeks I spent with her. Now I help my own clients overcome their trauma and make peace with life too. Now more than ever before, I want to breathe to take the oxygen in that feeds your lungs. Take the breath that allows your heart to beat fast. Take the breath that allows you to live. We take so much for granted. We don't even have to think, but now something is changing. I want to empower you to think, to think about what is right, to feel what is right. You were born to be sovereign, to be a sovereign being. You are not here to follow like sheep. You are here to rise and speak and not have others' ideas take away your rights. I am here to help you think and feel yourself into freedom for you and everyone you see but I need you to trust me and to see that this world is a figment of our mind. So with this same mind, we get to recreate a new way of being, a whole new world of freedom, power, and truth. Y'all, I am so excited for you to hear this conversation, so I will not keep you waiting. So Please welcome Lavina Quilliam to the Eat Me podcast. I am so excited because I have Lavina Quilliam. I said that right, right? Quilliam. Oh, yeah, you did. Perfect. I was so worried that I was going to mess it up because I got it right <laughs> when we were talking before I hit record. Y'all, we were talking before I hit record, and I was like, I'm trying to make sure I say people's names right. Y'all know how I do. So we have Lavine, Lavina here. I am really excited to talk to you today because... One, you know, I, I love the fact that you um, are open to talk about your story as it relates to um, your younger years with um, being mute, basically, and like, and then how that has transpired to you bringing a voice to those that you are coaching now, which I think is amazing. So thank you, one, for being open to talk about all this and just, you know, being on the podcast. So thank you for being here. No, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm excited. So, Livina, like, like most things, how did you get started in um, coaching? Right. I mean, I'm I'm going right into that. Like, was it? How did you get started in coaching? And was it because of things that happened, not just with your past, or was it just kind of like something you just kind of like fell you fell upon? Like, how did this all this happen? Yeah, it was definitely through my lived experiences. So I've got a lot of healing. I had a lot of mentors. I still have mentors um, to this day. So over a decade, I've had coaches, mentors, and they always encouraged me, like, you need to help other people. I never thought that I could based on what I've gone through, but they, you know, it was just an older guy that pushed towards it. That is amazing. And it's so funny because it's like a lot of times we think like, our uh, things that have happened in our past or different traumatic things that have happened would be shameful or, or someone wouldn't understand like, okay, I, I, I can't reveal this to somebody, right? Like, because you'll think this about me or that about me. Um, so I think that it's so beautiful that you are using these things that have happened in your life to now help other people, you know, Uh, that is so beautiful to me. I love that. You know, it's, it's amazing. Um, but in terms of that, the I the um I'm like blanking on words right now. Here we go with, with me and my brain. Like seriously, but uh, <laughs> seriously, I get um, that too. <laughs> I, listen, it's it's been a long day. I like I have been I've been working all day, and I, I think we were talking about this earlier. Mm-hmm. I I'm a morning person. You're a morning person, and so like now it's what six p.m. in <laughs> New York. Meanwhile, y'all. Side note: Lavina is in Australia, y'all, which is amazing. So it's 6 p.m. in New York City, and you said it's 7 a.m. in Australia, right? Oh, it's 10 a.m. now. 
Oh, 10 a.m. Excuse me. Yeah. Where, where did I get to name? Who knows? Who knows? But I mean, it's still like it's it's wild that we're, we have this this time change. So I, she's fresh and ready to go. I'm about ready to like lay it down here in a minute. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> in terms of you, like, um, like what what were the things, if you're comfortable with sharing, that like led to you? Um, being mute. So, like, at one point, at what point did that happen, or was that, or do you even like recall, like, like what happened, or how how all that took place? Well, I think intuitively, because when I look back to it, when I was like, you know, between zero and four, what I thought was when I came into the world, I'm very, I'm a strong empath, so I'm very people. When people meet me, they don't realize I'm very, very sensitive. Like I come across, I am quite strong through my lived experience, but I'm very and strong empath. I feel things, I I observe things, so I feel things deeply. And when I came into a world where my, you know, my parents, I love them, to, you know forever but it was again a toxic space it was very 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 toxic um environment and so I was like what I thought to you know stay safe was I had to just be mute so they wouldn't target me they would leave me alone like maybe subconsciously so they wouldn't fight so they will have something to worry about and and to really you know remain together as as a unit and not break up so I think um yeah it was quite intelligent at that you know an old soul coming into this world wow you know and that, you know, it's so funny when it comes to, especially when children, right? Like kids are very um, in tune to what's going on around them. And I think more so now people are a bit more aware of that. But I think like growing up, like I'm 45. And so growing up, people really didn't acknowledge that kids were actually aware of what was happening or would know what was happening in an adult's life. I'm not that you know everything, but you have a feeling you're like, okay, something is not right. Right. I know that they're arguing. I don't know all the bits and pieces around it, but I know something is not right. It might be me. Right. So let me do all the things that I can to not cause any problems. And like you said, you decided to not speak. Right. Um, but I love the fact that you said, I loved my parents, but there was a toxic environment. And the reason why I say that is because I think a lot of people have complete, like have like kind of like cut off certain um, relationships because of, you know, those types of environments. And I mean, I'm not saying that everyone has to continue on relationships with people that are in their lives, but sometimes it might be too toxic to maintain. But I think it's important and you can let me know if this is your situation, but like to, to to acknowledge that people do have toxic things that they, you know, um, bring to a relationship or whatever, but they still can be loved at the same time, if if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And have that compassion and understanding and growth and, and knowing and seeing them at their higher self so that it can speak from that. I think if you see them for their victim self, that is what you're going to get more of. And I see with my parents, they've grown so much just through me speaking to their higher self, hoping that that's obviously more of that, which has come true. Right. And so when it, when it comes to like that, that moment or not so much moment, but when you were actually in this whole like world of just like being mute. So how old were you when, when this started? So when I was, as soon as I came from the womb up to about probably four and a half, probably five. So they were getting worried because starting school and I can't talk. So I couldn't go to preschool or anything because it was shameful. They didn't want anyone to know what's happened. And, mm. you know, they thought it was a disability and things like that. Um, but from what I always gathered was because my parents were older. So my mom was 40 when she gave birth. My dad was, um, in his 50s mm. and they always said I was an accident um you know I should have been born and I was naturally born and I should have been a guy so there was just so many factors that they didn't want me so I thought well be seen not heard and maybe I might disappear somehow oh wow and so you said up until four years old you were mute and <laughs> then during that time I mean, and you recall all this, right? Like you remember a lot of this or? I do. And I remember in um, kindergarten where I was asked to do a speech. I had my palm cards. I wrote it out. I'm, you know, I'm not going to frown upon not doing work, but I went to the right. front of the room and I just cried and I pulled down the palm cards and I came back. And then the teacher said, you know, you're useless. You know, you can't even speak. Hmm. Wow. And so 
when the teacher, so there, and that's another thing, like, and I don't know, maybe like at that time, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about when I was a kid too, there, there weren't those resources like a social worker or a therapist or anyone in those school settings. Did you guys have anyone like that? Uh, that would have like, you know, said, no. right, exactly. Right. So, cause now, you know, cause I work in a school. You have all the supports, right? Like you have a social worker, you have a counselors, you have all these people that can step in and provide those supports. So all that to say, like when you were in school, right? Like what was that like? Like even beyond just like presenting and like like the socialization piece, what was that like? It was very interesting because I was still like, so I was, people always gravitated towards me mm-hmm. and maybe because they felt calm in my presence and that they could speak to me and it was a one-sided conversation. Maybe they like to be heard as well, but right. it was, people just understood it and they just go, oh, okay, this is person can't speak, probably shy. And they was very accepted. So I loved, you know, my schooling life was, was very good, full of acceptance. That, and you know, that's, amazing. that's beautiful. I love the idea that that was a part of your experience because for some kids, I mean, it's not even the mute things. Like I said, cause I do work in schools. It's like to have like, like that, that sense of like support around is so important because there's a lot of issues around like school avoidance, like kids not wanting to come to school because of maybe something like, like you were saying, like, the, like the person being mute or maybe they have some type of like, you know, concerns at home or some type of learning disability or whatever. But to have that support, I think that that is actually comforting for me because I was wondering, it's like, I wondered how that was, you know, being managed on for yourself because a lot of people don't realize like little kids take on a lot. Mm-hmm. It, you know, they really do because they feel like everything is weighing on how they behave, how they react, how they do whatever. Um, because of their development, you know, everything's centered around them because it's, you know, it's their world and everyone revolves around them, you know? So, you know, it, that's really interesting. Wow. Okay. And so also when it came to like you getting to a point of like, like, I, I'm not saying this right, but in terms of like how you figured out, okay, I need to start using my voice, Right. When did that come about? I mean, and was there someone that was helping you, like guiding you through this whole process? In um, my schooling life, no, I didn't have any person to really lean on. Like I did want to ask people support, but everyone just thought, you know, just get over it and just speak. So I literally had to coach myself through it and just think, well, you know, like what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, people could yell or shout and that's what I was scared of because that would have happened in my you know home environments but Mm -hmm. then I just had to push past and go well I need to share my truth um, bits and pieces if I want to like I thought very deeply if I want to provide back to the community and provide something that I need to actually speak I need to speak my truth I can't hold back from it I need to contribute in this way that slowly by slowly over time was just like pushing that boundary and, and feeling into the pain and going I'm going to speak anyway. I'm going to, you know, share my my two cents regardless of how people feel and just, you know, even to this day I'm still coaching myself through it and, and just going, well, this is what I have to say whether people like it or not. Um, this is what I have to say. And a, a lot of people do like it. Most people don't. But it's just, you know, coach myself to remind myself if you have something to say, just say it. Wow. You know, and that is so important because I think a lot of people, myself included, let's be serious, like, like when you need to say something, it can, it, it's almost, um, it kind of keeps you stuck, right? Because you're in your head, you're constantly like, okay, if I say this, this is the thing that could happen. And it's, it's basically all what's in our head. And it might not even be reality. It might turn out better than you could imagine, but there's something that's holding you back. And it's like, I love the fact that you said you were you were taking the time to coach yourself to say, you know, this is my truth. I need to say what I need to say. And so I guess I'm going back to your um, your work and your coaching. When people um, come to you for coaching, right, is that something that they're working on, like in terms of like speaking their truth and like how to navigate that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's surprising that, you know, I always thought it was natural, just thought it was me a little bit strange and not being able to do it. And that's how I developed my, you know, autoimmune, you know, thyroid disease. I, but it, a lot of it's very common these days that people have it. And, you know, I just didn't see it that way. So yeah, a lot of people do do come for that. You know, and then I, I just heard you say that you have an autoimmune disease. I used to. So that's how it manifests. So uh, when I was 24, I had grave disease. So that's a throat not speaking my right. truth. So it actually manifests into disease. And I was like, oh, no, this I have to heal this. And this is the way that I naturally healed myself when the doctor said it will never be healed. I am speechless, okay, because I have an autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. And I am now working through a lot of trauma from my past. Right. And I know a lot of that is based on the fact that there are a lot of things that I need to resolve and even like conversations that need to be had and just speaking truth. And I, I was actually reading something and I, I don't know if it was like an article um, on like a social media platform or what, but all that to say that it was basically saying that a lot of pent up like pain and emotion and things like that bring on disease. And I'm wondering how many people actually know that, like just not resolving certain traumas and allowing generational traumas even to just kind of continue on that can continue to perpetuate disease in the body. Like I'm, my mind is blown right now. Like this is Amazing that we're talking about this right now because that's something that I, this is this is like amazing because this is something I'm I'm currently working on, like I'm seeing like an emotional um, uh, eating coach. I actually finished the um, program, but we still are in communication. I, I, I this is amazing, Lavina. Like you have no idea that this has even popped up because I'm working through that, and I know mm -hmm. a lot of the things that have been going on in my life have been because I did not know how to regulate emotions. I was never taught how to regulate emotions, and because that I would eat, right? Mm -hmm. Because that was the only way I knew how to solve my problems, right? And so you're saying your Graves' disease now it's gone. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I get it checked every six months just in case, but it's gone completely normal. That is amazing. That is amazing. Like I am just, I'm so happy for you. Like you have no <laughs> idea. And it's funny too, because when I was diagnosed, I had multiple sclerosis. And oh. when I was, yeah, when I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, um, I did not want to go down the route of taking, you know, Western medication. I wanted to try all the things, right, that would be um, on the alternative side of it, right? Because I was like, I want to give myself a chance to figure this out uh, in a way that wouldn't require me to take on medications that would probably then alter my body in other ways. And then I'd have to resort to who knows what else, right? I went plant-based. I started taking different supplements and, and completely have, and I'm living without taking any medication for my multiple sclerosis. Oh, wow. Wow. Right. I had a neurologist um, fire me, <laughs> fire me for being a patient because she did not believe that I could do that. Um, and I'm continuing to do other things. Like I said, working through my emotional eating stuff and all this. And like, Lavina, this is, I'm, I'm like, I am, you have no idea. This is amazing. So when you were diagnosed with Graves' disease, what did that look like in terms of you saying, okay, this is the diagnosis. This is how I'm moving forward with my actual care. Did you initially start with traditional like um, care that would be provided for Graves' disease? Or did you just say, nope, I'm going to figure this out and do the, go the alternate route? 
I took a bit of the medication that they suggested only because I was 24 and I was quite immature. I didn't realise, you know, you couldn't, you had options. So I did take it, but I did focus on the healing. So it did bring up a lot of like, I was panic attack every single day, all throughout the day, my heart's pounding. You know, I was just like all these things. So I did the emotional route as well. Right. Wow. I released my stress and, you know, and I just feel that I wasn't speaking my truth. So I let people at that time take advantage of me, like mm-hmm. all like all areas of my life. And then when I stood up for myself and I spoke my truth and that was, then it magically just healed. Like it didn't take long. I was only probably, yeah, and the doctor couldn't believe it. He said this one had turned to thyroid cancer. Um, and then, yeah, within a year it was gone. Wow. And so maybe some people that are listening, they're probably like, speak your truth, speak your truth. What are they talking Mm -hmm. about? So if you can like kind of like break down what Mm -hmm. that looks like for people, because I know some people just think, oh, you're just saying whatever to anyone and you're just being rude. But what does speak your truth Mm -hmm. look like and how does that benefit you as a person or just anyone in general, right? Yeah, so it's like really for me, tuning into the body and into what do I really deeply need to say? Like, Mm. regardless of anyone's reactions, like what am I feeling to like in this present moment? What do I feel that I need to say to this person? Like, for example, you might think, well, that person will either leave you or that person will get angry or whatever it might be. But it's like, no, no, I have to say this because this is my standard and this is what I believe in. And just in that present moment, it's hard to distinguish because we sort of think we are saying our truth, but then we're actually just like people pleasing for other people and morphing or camouflaging to other people without knowing. We go, well, that is our truth. But if you really go deeply into your body and go, does that feel good within you? Or is that just being thought from someone else or conditioned to think that this is my truth? So it's, it sounds easy, but it's actually very, very difficult to get in tune with yourself and connected to your body to know what is your truth to begin with, to know without, you know, the programming, the patterns, other people and going, this is what I believe in through the feeling that it has in my body. Wow. And, you know, as you were saying that, I was like, okay, how many people really take the chance or take the time rather to like get in tune with themselves to truly um, know their truth or, or have they even had the opportunity to do that because we are, we're always looking for the external, like something outside of me would provide the answer. I couldn't, there's no way I know what to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, so what does that look like in terms of the journey of somebody learning how to start looking inward as opposed to just looking to Lavina because she probably has all the answers because she's figured it all out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the best way I like doing it was always just to sit by myself, no distractions and just feel into my body and just go, okay, keep on breathing throughout the process and going, okay, what, what parts are calling, what are painful areas and give that voice to that part of the body and allow it to speak its truth and, you know, just listen to the wisdom, then go to another part of your body and listen to that. And mm. it's actually feeling the pain. And I think it's why a lot of people, like even myself included, I avoided it, um, but I had no choice at the end was to really sit with the pain and that stuckness and the ickiness and go, I'm not going to numb it. I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to feel through it. And I want to understand it and what message it has for me because there's a reason why it's. Right. And, you know, I'm glad that we're talking about this because I feel like um, a lot of things that I've been working through in terms of like speaking my truth, right. I have worried about um, what I'm going to say may seem like um, forceful or negative, maybe not negative, but like where someone would get offended. There we are. Um, <laughs> and it's like, how do you still speak truth, right? And 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 then not seem like you're trying to attack somebody. Yeah, and that and this is a big lesson, a learning that I'm going to be going for myself and is to go, well, people may not like what we say and that's okay. Um, either they take it or they leave basically. And it's like, it's not giving them power, but giving ourselves power to be like, we don't have to be liked, even if it's our family members, if they don't like it, therefore we still make our decision based on ourselves and they can either take it or go, whatever they prefer. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it, you, you said it in that way because 
that's something that I've heard from so many people. It's like, you can't be responsible for someone's response or how they feel about what you're saying because that you're you're not them and you can't you know what I'm saying like you can only speak your truth right I'm loving this like speak your truth thing I'm, I'm living for this is like pretty cool uh you can only speak your truth and then however they receive it you can't try to you know backtrack and like oh I'm sorry or you know whatever it's like no this is what it is and they receive it in the way that they receive it because also another thing and let me know what you think about this I have been like like working through this as well, like people's actual perception and how they take in information is their way of doing it. It's like, you can't convince them to take it in any other way, but, but how they take it in, you know what I'm saying? It's like, so that's another thing that I've been working through too, because it's like, I've been that, I guess you would call it like a codependent individual where I'm like, no, you have to see it this way. I, and you know, I'm constantly back and forth with somebody. No, it must be this, you know? And it's like, no, however they take it, however they're, you know, processing it, I can't be responsible for that, you know? Absolutely. And I, what I find that I've like found useful is giving them space, even though it hurts, it's Mm -hmm. like maybe give them six months, 12 months, they come back and go, now I see what, what you mean. Right. Right. And, and, you know, I think that's another thing, too, like you said that earlier about when you were saying you when you were learning to speak your truth, not worrying about people um, leaving your life. Right. Um, Because I think a lot of people are concerned and that's why a lot of people don't speak their truth because they're afraid. Okay, this person has been my life or it's a family member or whatever that looks like. Like, I don't want to lose this person. So let me like placate, you know, and just go with the flow and. I just walk on eggshells just so this person, quote unquote, remains in my life. And it's like, how damaging is that to that person? And then also going back to the whole disease process, like, that's what it was. Oh my gosh, Sabina, that's what it was. I was reading an article about people that are allowing these toxic, toxic relationships to maintain and how disease is contributed to this type of behavior it's wild like I, I I never knew that that was something that would be a part of someone being ill by them not speaking their truth by trying to maintain relationships that are actually not good for them do you have clients like that that have come to you wanting to like either you know improve their health or just, you know, overall mental health by way of trying to figure out how to navigate toxic relationships in their lives and to like figure out how to speak truth to those family members or friends or whoever that may be. Yeah, definitely. I think because of, you know, conditioning and programming, they don't even realize it's toxic or they think that's just normal because everyone else accepts it. So they don't realize after a while, they realize, wow, like this person isn't good for me. And now I know what I want in my life. So it's always an eye opener to see they didn't, would never classify as toxic. They would just think that's right. normal, but you have to realize there's a lot of toxic coming around in society. Right. And and that's the things like the normalization of toxic behavior um, and practices in our lives and to like really open our eyes to it. And, and I think a lot of that too is like when, once you are revealing, once you know that you're in a toxic situation, which is a lot of us, right? Like, because we're so used to it. It's like, how do I now move forward? You know, like, mm-hmm. I can't unsee this now. Like, <laughs> like, okay, now it's revealed. How do I, how do I like go forward? And then how do I then share this with the people that I know are toxic for me? Like, it's, I mean, I'm not looking for any answers. I'm just like saying this out loud. You know, it's like, that is so, it's so wild. Like, I just... It's 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 amazing to me that so many of us are in this position where we have for years, I'm 45, for years have lived like this and are now coming to terms with, okay, I need to make some changes because I, I can't continue to do this. So when someone is coming to you um, wanting like services in terms of coaching, like 
at like this, what are like the first steps like for them um, working with you on like how to kind of like navigate uh, their situation or is it, does it vary from person to person? It definitely does. And a lot of people do come with their own, you know, things that they want to discuss and they already have a long list of things that they want to work on. So it's just whatever's natural and whatever feels good for them at that time. But when it comes to toxic, sometimes you can't voice it to that particular person because they won't listen to it. You know, they have their own healing things that need to go through. I always like write it down or I would speak it through my phone as if it's to them, even though they will never listen to it because they're not open to it. Like, you know what I mean? Some people can't ever listen to what we have to say, but I get it out through other means. So voice or even writing it out, what I would say to that person, because I cannot speak to them. They won't listen, you know, as well. Right. right. And, you know, I think that's something that's important too, because it's like knowing that sometimes it's not even worth it to address certain people in situations because like you said, they're not going to hear it. And however you have to work through it, through that, whether it be a coach, a therapist, whatever, make that the opportunity to work through that for yourself, for your healing. Um, because it, it can be really frustrating because it's like, okay, I need to figure this out. I need to work this out for myself but I know that it's not going to work by way of me addressing that particular individual. Yeah. That, wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. So like in terms of what you're doing now, any new things that you're working through with like your coaching or any new uh, projects that you're working on right now? No, not anything you, I'm just doing the, you know, the same old connecting to our body. Cause I feel like that is what is always worked and will continue to work to pay attention to our body, to find the wholeness within ourselves and the validation and love within ourselves. And what does that look like when people are, you know, professionals and busy, you don't know what it means. Like self-care, self-love, like it's like they're woo-woo terms, but what right. are the practical tangible ways to actually do that? Like not what, we need that, right. We need not right. just the washy, wishy-washy stuff. Right. And you know, it, those terms, that self-care, self-love, like you said, those are like slogans that we're hearing like all day, every day, right? But in terms of like really providing self-care and self-love beyond you, maybe taking a bubble bath or getting a massage or whatever, what does that look like in terms of like um, really work, doing that inner work um, for someone who may not even understand what we mean beyond, like I said, the massage or, you know, you going and, you know, getting your nails done. Like, what does that look like in terms of you starting to, I guess, like, I don't know if I, maybe I'm saying this wrong, but you can correct me, like trusting yourself and really listening to yourself to then eventually start speaking your truth. Because I think it does start with you really figuring out that insight, like, who am I? Like, what does that, what does that look like for someone? That I like to describe it to people is, see, like, either if they don't have kids, um, think of themselves as, you know, if they saw a wounded animal, how would they look after it? If they don't have that, they can just imagine. So imagine you're looking after a wooden animal, that is how you would treat yourself. You will focus on, you know, or there's someone else who's significant in their life, the same way you would then do that to yourself and spend right. time with yourself, getting to know yourself, um, all the parts, feeling the feelings, giving yourself a hug, you know, breathing into the pain and, and really allowing the messages, messages to come through. Yeah. That's a really good analogy. Like looking at yourself, like like a um, you said, like a wounded animal, right? Or even like like a like even like your child. Like how would you treat your child? Like really be gentle with yourself, and that's something that I think, uh, at least for me, that's something I've really been working through. Like just being gentle with myself, not being so hard and so critical. I think a lot of us are so critical um, on ourselves. Uh, oh, I should have did this better. Why can't I get this together? Like, what the hell's wrong with me? You know, th that type of talk um, then just allows you to, to continue to look to the external. Because it's like, if you don't feel like you have enough in within you to, you know, um, make changes in your life, positive changes in your life, it's like, how can you even start doing anything like this? Like that, that inner work, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it's wild. So I, it's, it's amazing. Like, I am so happy that I had this time to talk with you because it's like, there were so many things that popped up that like, I, I didn't even know what we were going to talk about, like autoimmune, like this, I love this type of like way of like 
doing things because it's like, oh my goodness, here we are talking about this and here we're navigating to that, right? Um, but I wanted to talk about before we go, because I was like, oh my gosh, I really want to know about this. You were sharing with me, or I, I brought this up because I, I looked at information um, on your website about when you were, I'm going back to when you were a kid. You see, I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm here, I'm there, I'm everywhere. But like when you were a kid, you were saying that um, during that time that you were um, mute, that you would use you, you would use eating as a way of coping during that time. How, how like at what point did you realize that food was a comfort for you during such a stressful time in your life? I equated food as love, and I saw how my family like they never said love you twenty one. They still haven't to this day, but mm-hmm. they it's always take a prize in food. Like food was always that numbing agent that was a comfort. So I, I was seeking it in other people who was hoping to give it to me. They couldn't, but I I didn't know how to give myself that love at that time. So food food gave me love. I had a whole mud cake to myself and a whole loaf of bread of Nutella. I felt, I didn't feel good afterwards, but during the process, I I felt amazing. Right, exactly. And, you know, that's, and that so many people I've talked to about just their attachment to eating and food like that it is it's that instant gratification that that feel good moment because it's it's literally a moment and then after you're like oh i feel crappy like why did i do that blah, blah. but you keep going back to it because it's like this that feeling during the time it is taking away all the things right and it's consistent with everyone i talk to myself included it's like during that time all the stress all the chaotic, whatever I'm living in, it's gone. And I am channeling down on, you said, what, what was your thing, Nutella and bread? Is that what you said? Yeah, they'll say Nutella bread, mud cake, a whole um, packet of wafers, chocolate, whatever I could, you're like a whole thing. <laughs> right. And it's like, like I, I laugh about it now, but it's like, that was my solace. That was my way of just retreating and just trying to, calm my nervous system. That's another thing I've been learning about, like learning to calm my nervous system. I thought that was my way of like, just kind of taking, or I not consciously knowing that, but that was my way of just trying to like get myself together. Uh, so I could get through whatever I was dealing with at that time. Um, but when, like now that you are an adult, do you see those practices as something that was something that not that it was bad, right? But it was a way of survival and that's what you needed at that time. Yeah, absolutely. It it definitely serves a purpose. And I know that people are still like in my family, it's it's the norm and it's what they want to do versus to heal. And then as I got older, I swung the other way, I restricted. So I went, you know, when COVID came, I thought we're in scarcity now, we're in luck. So I didn't eat anything. And then that was another dramatic um, story. And so I had to find what is that balance? You know, you can't just go from one extreme to another. What is that right. sweet balance? Right. And, you know, and that's, you know, it's it's wild because a lot of uh, people I've talked to as well on, on that spectrum of like um, limiting food, right? Uh, because of a fear of not having enough, right? Right. Uh, nothing with COVID though. This is the first time I've heard about the COVID thing. I know some people that I spoke with, their food scarcity was by way of like their living situation as a child. They didn't have enough. So they were like, okay, I have to limit so much food. And then that then went into their adult life and they just started limiting food that way. So during COVID, that's when it, it, that triggered for you. Yeah. So it was definitely always a trigger from a young kid as well, but it just COVID brought it up, which was amazing. Wow. You know, it, it. I love talking to people as it relates to their eating habits and things like that, because for me, it's always been indulgence. Like, I'm just like, just bring it on. Like, you know, literally, like I, I'm, I, at one point I would literally be eating breakfast, thinking about lunch and dinner. <laughs> and all the snacks, all the things. All the snacks, all the things. Yeah. Right. And so it's just like, for me, I am, not that it's a fascination. I'm not fascinated, but I'm always interested in talking to people when it comes to limiting food. Because for me, when I, um, so I lost like well over a hundred pounds. I had uh, sleeve surgery um, in like 2018, 2018. Before that, 
when I would go and eat places and I didn't think there was enough food on my plate, I would have so much anxiety around it because I was just like, okay, first of all, I'm overweight, you know, basically obese, let's be serious. And um, I don't want anyone like thinking that I want more food that's all, that that's beyond this plate. So sometimes mm-hmm. once I like, once I realized that was my issue, I would pregame. Like I would eat before I'd go places because I was like, I don't want anyone to think <laughs> You know, whatever. You know, it's it, it, the things that your mind does, right? So to know that that's that there's a whole different spectrum of that. It, I'm so interested in how the mind works in that way because for me, it was always I have to like stuff myself um, in order to feel the comfort. And so the restriction. Now, did that bring you comfort, or was there anxiety with that? Like, what did that feel like? Because I'm always like that. Just fascinates me in so many ways. It was, it was very subconscious. So it was funny how, like, it was just a natural thing in my mind. Like, I didn't realize what was happening until I woke up and thought, wow, like, why is I'm like a lot of bones? So I wasn't even aware until it was brought to my attention. But for me, what was it was just unawareness and just disconnection. And it was very much a, a numbing thing. And it gives you energy. So it's it's funny because people think, yes, you look unhealthy, but there's a spark of energy. There's, there's, a, there's an adrenaline there. And your mind says, oh, that it's because you're skinny. That's why you have energy. If you get bigger, you're not going to have energy. So the mind and anxiety does play, you know, unless you catch it, it can be very sneaky. Wow. It is, you know, the brain and the mind in general, I am always so interested in learning more about it and how we actually um, process things and, and, and kind of like work through certain situations uh, in order to just survive. You know, this is, wow. And so at what point did you, like, I know you said you recognized it and you, you know, said, okay, this is a problem. What was the thing that kind of like caused the change? And like, what were the changes that you made in order to kind of like come back to some type of equilibrium if the, or or just, you know, whatever that works for you now? Well, it came to a point where my body was quite shaky. So I honestly thought it was telling me, well, you're going to have a heart attack if you don't change Mm -hmm. this. So I was like, okay, I have to change it. And so what I still do is like listen to my body and make sure that I have, you know, breakfast, morning tea, lunch, afternoon tea, dinner. And people look at me funny because I'm eating, but I'm like, I need this. This is grounding for me. Like, don't say I'm eating a lot because people say these things. They also eat a lot, but it's like, they don't realize how that triggers people. It's like, I need this for my body, for fuel, for nutrients. I need this. It doesn't matter how many times I'm eating, I'm eating this for me. Right. Thank you for saying that because I, growing up, I was a heavy person. Like from like, as long as I can remember, I've always been overweight, right? And when I would see thinner people and I would see them eating, I would think in that way, like you say, oh my gosh, you're eating a lot. But it's like, not knowing that, that 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 could be something that could be triggering to them because they could be str- wow. Thank you for thank you for mm-hmm. sharing that with me because it's like for people like me who grew up heavier. When you saw when I saw a thin person, I always thought they had it all together. They knew all the tricks in terms of like navigating life because you know, seriously, like I literally thought like, wow, they, they have it all figured out. Like what the hell am I doing in this life? Like I have got to get it together, you know, and to know that there are still struggles on that spectrum. And I've talked to people and we've like, I, you know, realized that over time, but it's, it's still, it's just like, Alicia, everybody is on a journey. Everybody is on a journey, no matter where they fall with this, everyone's trying to figure it out. And even though it might be different, it's still something that they're still trying to like make peace with or work through. And your struggle is no worse than theirs. And there's no comparison. Like everyone's just trying to figure this life out, you know, you know, it's, it's just so beautiful to me in so many ways, because it's like, there needs be there I can't talk. There needs to be more support for everyone, and 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 compassion, right? That that sense of compassion for people because it's like, oh, you know, I I'm overweight, I'm obese, and everyone should feel sorry for me because I'm not thin like you. And it's like, you know, like literally, that's how simple my thinking was at one point. Because it was like, because I'm 
in this position and you're thin and everyone in society thinks that you're like the standard, you should feel sorry for me. And I can't worry about your problems because you're thin. Like you don't have any problems. Like how could you have any problems? Like you're thin, you know? And then to now know that there is that that is a thing, it's 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 embarrassing for me now knowing that. You know, seriously, because it's like I was so closed minded about it, thinking that there's no way someone that's thinner could have any problems realizing that everybody has problems. Alicia, get it together. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, seriously, like what are you are you crazy? Like, what are you thinking? Like, get it together, you know. So thank you for being so um open about that seriously absolutely and even if you know you put on weight like because it's healthy to you know be a bit you know bigger people go oh you've you've gone big or something and it's like no it's just not that's that's a normal process you know yes you know your body changes like all the time it's okay right and that's another thing too is like realizing that even though our bodies shift I'm still an amazing being. I'm still valuable. I'm still worthy to be in this world. You know, um, that that for me is something that I've I'm constantly working on and saying like, no matter where I am on this spectrum of body or whatever, my age, wrinkles, I'm still a worthy human being. You know. Absolutely. And so you hug yourself every day and go, yes, I'm so grateful for you. Like, yes, no matter what. <laughs> I love that. I hug myself. And I'm, oh, I love that. I love that. Oh my gosh, Lavina, this was amazing. You are such a gift. And I, I am so glad that we had this opportunity to chat. And before we go, if you can let everyone know where they can find you um, on any social media platforms, your website, yeah, take it away. On Facebook, so if you search Lavina Iris Quilliam, you'll see me and I would like to connect to you there with the group. And it's like we just have, you know, chats, lives, connection and, and you know, have a bit of discussion community there. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll share all that information in the show notes. Oh, my gosh, Lavina, thank you so much again. This was great. And I like I did. I had no idea we were going to go down this path, but it was a blessing for me because it's like so many things that I have been working through have been validated in this conversation, you know? So thank you so much for that. No, thank you. You're incredible. Uh, really inspirational. You're amazing. You have amazing energy and all that you go through. Uh, I can't believe it. Like I salute you. That is wow. Yeah. You've just done such great work. Thank you so much. And y'all, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Eating Me podcast. I'll see y'all next week. Thank you so much again. This was awesome. Thank you. Hey, y'all, it's Alicia. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Eating Me podcast. Y'all, I am so grateful that you keep coming back to listen to these amazing episodes. And if this is your first time, welcome. Please, if you have not already, rate and review the podcast. Share some of the podcast episodes with those you love. And y'all, let's just keep on keeping on. I love y'all and I'll see you next week. Bye.